You're going to love this. Just love it. You tell him, Willie. Pacifica Radio in rainy Los Angeles, this is the broadcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove, out in Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster, in Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. Up in Minneapolis, St. Paul, the Twin Cities on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, and Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week on Radio Sputnik. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com with some breaking Bruce Springsteen news. What? To start out, I know, and it's good news. Yeah, don't worry. Don't okay. uh, people might be worried when they hear that. Uh, some, uh, some, I think some, uh, some good news uh, just within the last few minutes here. Uh, Bruce Springsteen has canceled his planned concert for uh, in North Carolina on Sunday night due to that state's LGBT law. He writes at his uh, website, uh, website BruceSpringsteen.net. Uh, As you, my fans, know, I'm scheduled to play in Greensboro, North Carolina this Sunday. As we also know, North Carolina has just passed HB2, which the media are referring to as the bathroom law. HB2, known officially as the Public Facilities Privacy and Security Act, dictates which bathrooms transgender people are permitted to use. Just as important... Says the boss, the law also attacks the rights of LGBT citizens to sue when their human rights are violated in the workplace. No other group of North Carolinians face uh, faces such a burden. To my mind, it's an attempt by people who cannot stand the progress our country has made in recognizing the human rights of all of our citizens to overturn that progress. Right now, there are many groups, businesses, and individuals in North Carolina working to oppose and overcome these negative developments. Taking all of this into account, says Bruce Springsteen, I feel that this is a time for me and the band to show solidarity for those freedom fighters. As a result, and with deepest apologies to our dedicated fans at Greensboro, we have canceled our show for uh, scheduled for Sunday, April 10. Some things, he says, are more important than a rock show, and this fight against prejudice and bigotry, which is happening as I write, is one of them. It is the strongest means I have for raising my voice in opposition to those who continue to push us backwards instead of forwards. 
Show is canceled. Tickets will be uh, refunded at the point of purchase, says Bruce Springsteen. Wow. Very good. Uh, You know what? I'm glad to hear it. Uh, This whole thing is going to cost North Carolina a lot of money. It's going to, you know, PayPal has already said they uh, are are revisiting the idea of opening up their new offices, which would have employed a few hundred people out there in North Carolina in the wake of that state's Republican governor passing this uh, extraordinary bill. And it really is extraordinary and extraordinarily stupid, quite frankly, uh, you know, on the premise that it's this bathroom bill that somehow transgender people are showing up in the uh, a man is dressing up as a woman just so that he can go into the women's bathroom. Is that the idea of this? Yeah, I think that that is the idiocy. concept of, of this yeah. is that, that that they're not really saying that, oh, gosh, transgender people are going to go in and attack folks because there have been. Yes, zero. they are. Actually, they are saying I that. think what they were saying is that a sexual predator is going to dress up and then claim that that's how that's, no they're, that, they're that claiming that happen. this is a danger this is a menace we must stop all of these men dressed as women from going into the bathroom and i guess women dressed as men from going into the men's bathroom yeah that's so weird it's, it makes no, no it's, sense you know what it, it does make sense uh, this is a, a a desperate group of people a desperate party fighting desperately uh, to figure out how to uh, touch off the hatred within their party because their party and their supporters are going away or running away in droves. And, well, they should be from this sort of idiocy. The um, the North Carolina, the attorney general said earlier this week, North Carolina attorney general, that he would not even defend this bill. That's how bad it is. And it's the generally it's the responsibility of an AG to defend the state against the lawsuits. And of course, lawsuits are already being filed against this uh, against this bill. Uh, down in Mississippi, they file, uh, filed a similar thing. Well, you know what? Free market. Way to go, Bruce. Uh, don't do your co- your concert there. PayPal, other companies who have objected. Good. Free market. Republicans love the free market. And uh, in this case, their decisions are going to cost them money. And it's another reminder why, frankly, elections matter and the people that you put in office matter. And that's what what has happened in North Carolina over the past few years since Democrats started stopped turning out in uh, in the numbers that they did was to allow these Republicans to take over what had been the most progressive state uh, in the South. In North Carolina, with actually more progressive election laws out there than we even have out here in California, arguably. And then the Republicans came in, took over, wrote the and passed within just days after the Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act. North Carolina passed the most draconian uh, voter suppression bill in the country, in the country. Photo ID, uh, voting restrictions, uh, limiting early voting days, weekends and hours, uh, doing away with same day registration, doing away with early registration for 16 and 17 year olds. Yeah, elections matter. Election, even though, you know, and I, I know a lot of our listeners out there think, oh, it doesn't matter. There's no difference between the two parties. Nonsense. B.S. If that's how you feel, which is fine. But you are wrong. You are wrong. And our elections in this country are not just about Democratic 
uh, I'm sorry, not just about uh, presidential elections. They are about state elections, local elections. We'll get into that more uh, as we move forward today. Also, uh, as we move forward today, uh, Green News Report and Desi Doyen. You'll be with us here. Uh, yep. Got a lot of news this week. Uh, one story in there, by the way, that has not been getting a lot of attention, but really should. Uh, Saudi Arabia planning for a world without oil? Really? Yes, Saudi they Arabia? are. They are planning ahead, unlike the United States. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and, and actually a lot in our Green News report, including what uh, you describe as some damn good news. Yeah. For uh, salmon and people on uh, out here in Oregon and California, we'll talk about that in a bit. But you know, earlier this week, Desi Doyen, when uh, I introduced uh, an earlier uh, a Green News report from this week, I accused you of giving us another one of your fake stories, another one of your fake climate change stories <laughs> about uh, this leak in a key the Keystone Pipeline. 187 gallons of oil had leaked, and I knew that was a fake story. Because TransCanada, the Canadian company that ships their dirty tar sands oil down through this pipeline, said, that, oh, we will not have a problem. We can build that extension, that uh, Keystone XL extension, and we don't have to worry about it. It won't leak. And even if it does, we'll discover it immediately. There's nothing to worry about. And here we have 187 gallons of oil that ended up leaking from their existing uh, Keystone Pipeline. So I knew it was fake because uh, the, the company, the co why don't you believe the company when they say these sorts of things can't happen? Because it ain't true. No, apparently it ain't true. But, and there was a leak, but your story Yeah, we have an update. was fake in uh -huh. that it wasn't 187 gallons of oil as TransCanada had originally said. Turns out they kind of lowballed it was instead of 187 gallons of oil, it was 16,800 gallons of oil that leaked in in uh, in South Dakota. Yep. At least that's what they're saying now. Right. They they basically uh, finally were, were able to get in and dig up 275 feet of that pipeline to find the leak. And that's how they discovered that it was way, way, way bigger than yeah, they had it, ever expected. It, and is it now 275 feet? Because the story that I had uh, I had here from uh, late last night was 100 feet of pipe that they had uh, excavated right. and exposed the soil. Right, as the time the of that story, they mm -hmm. had not found the leak yet. They literally found it about, about two hours before we went to air. So they put out the report, and they said it was 275 feet that this leak had seeped along, which is why it's huh. so huge. And they're... Their automatic um, internal pipeline uh, leak detection system, it's yes. called a PIG. Uh, it basically goes up and down and tries to detect, you know, when there's mm -hmm. a leak. Apparently, it, it didn't detect the leak as soon it as it work. should have. Oh, imagine yeah. that. Who would have thunk it? So sophisticated. And, uh, of course, when they say 16,800 gallons, that may or may not be accurate. It may right. be much more. That's just an estimate based on how much uh, oil they're finding uh, in the soil that they've dug up. But you, you don't be alarmed. TransCanada says, quote, there is no significant environmental impact observed. Observed. Except, of course, for all the soil that is completely useless forever now. And, and well, and it's it's also it's not a big deal, but they've got a crew of about 100 people continuing to work around the clock with regulators at the site. I noticed when they were downplaying it yet in the back in the back uh, background, there was. 
dozens of porta potties set up. I said, you know what? This is not a small little league. No. They've got dozens of They're going to have a lot of people there. So clearly, the yeah. folks in Nebraska mm-hmm. have dodged a bullet because remember, their concern was mm-hmm. that the key, the proposed Keystone XL pipeline, yeah. was going to cross the very sensitive Sand Hills region of Nebraska, which is very porous soil, and the aquifer, the Ogallala aquifer underneath that, mm-hmm. is maybe two to six feet below it. So it would have been very quick and very easy if it had gone over that particular region for the XL pipeline to have leaked, to have contaminated the aquifer. That's, you know, the main water source for much of the Midwest. So Nebraska dodged that bullet. South Dakota, where this leak happened, uh, has not dodged that bullet, unfortunately. And the uh, company regulators now, well, they had originally said it was the equivalent of four barrels of oil. Right now, the latest estimates, 400 barrels of oil. So they were only off by a little bit. Yeah. Michael Brune, the executive director at the Sierra Club, uh, said in a statement that the disaster is a stark reminder that it's not a question of if a pipeline will malfunction, but rather a question of when. Yep. And rather a question of when it will even be noticed uh, by the people who own that pipeline. Um, okay. So anyway, uh, a lot more uh, ahead a little bit later in the show with our Green News report. In the meantime, some uh, some new polling that I find to be very interesting is now out. Uh, let's see. Earlier this week, the McClatchy Marist poll found that uh, the Bernie Sanders now has a lead of two percentage points over former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton among Democrats nationwide. So uh, for a long time, they've been saying, oh, Bernie is doing well in some small states, but nationally she is still uh, destroying Bernie Sanders. Well, not so, at least according to the Samarist poll that came out earlier in the week, uh, which also found, by the way, one in four of Bernie Sanders supporters will not, do not plan in any event on supporting Hillary Clinton if she wins the nomination. Uh, meanwhile, so that's a 25 percent of Bernie Sanders supporters will not vote for Hillary Clinton, they say, if Bernie Sanders does not win the nomination. Meanwhile, 14 percent of Hillary Clinton supporters said the same about Sanders, which all brings up the Bernie or bust movement. The uh, I guess it, there's also a Hillary or bust movement. They won't vote for Hillary if she doesn't win the nomination, at least 14 percent of Democrats in this poll. Uh, you know, what? we're going to talk about that again, I hope, in, in a few days, because I brought it up the other day. Uh, some an emailer had said, uh, oh, yeah, if he's not in, I'm, I'm not going to vote for Hillary because she's not trustworthy. I said, well, that's stupid. Uh, not the emailer themselves, but the idea. Well, anyway, we won't get into the we'll we'll do it another time when we can open up the phone lines and, and hear from a bunch of people, because I know that people have a lot of strong opinions on this. Um. In any event, this poll with Bernie Sanders uh, leading uh, by two, uh, TPM wrote that uh, this is the first McClatchy Marist poll of Democrats nationwide. Um, and it contrasts sharply with recent polling, nearly all of which shows Hillary Clinton enjoying a comfortable lead. Well, I'm not sure that's true. I went over to Real Clear, Real Clear Politics. And that's really not the case, uh, at least not anymore. Uh, the Atlantic has a poll. Atlantic PRRI has a poll, uh, the most recent one out, now showing Bernie Sanders up by one point. Uh, IBDTIPP has a poll showing Clinton up 
by one point. Then there was the McClatchy poll with Sanders up by two. Uh, some of the uh, polls prior to that do show her with a bigger lead, but that lead is getting ever smaller, it seems. Uh, and in the meantime, on Thursday now, McClatchy Marist has released another poll, uh, which is quite interesting as well. Uh, registered voters nationally are more are motivi- mo- motivated more by dislike for the other candidate than positive feelings for their own candidate of choice in a general election contest between the Democratic and Republican delegate leaders. That would be Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. In a hypothetical toss-up between Clinton and Trump, Clinton leads Trump uh, by nine points among the national electorate. Uh, While Trump's support is identical to what he received in November uh, in the same poll, uh, 41%, Clinton's support has declined from 56%. So 56 percent in November. Now she's down to just 50 percent. However, 53 percent of Clinton supporters say their vote is one of opposition to Trump. They are supporting uh, Hillary Clinton because they oppose Trump. A majority of them in this poll, 53 percent. So they oppose Trump. It's not necessarily in support of Clinton. And then among Trump supporters, a similar pattern, more than six in 10, 61 percent report that they choose uh, Donald Trump because they are against Hillary Clinton. The director of the Marist poll says, uh, what an odd place Clinton and Trump voters find themselves in this unprecedented election cycle, while front runners typically bank on Favorable views from their followers, Clinton and Trump candidacies are fueled by voters' dislike of the alternative. Voters don't like either of the two, quote-unquote, frontrunners for the Democratic or Republican Party. Now, um, Vermont Bern- uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, the same poll points out, runs much better against Donald Trump and Ted Cruz and John Kasich than does Hillary Clinton. And this is something that we have seen now in poll after poll after poll, pretty much every single poll that is out that looks at these head-to-head races coming up in November finds the same thing, that uh, Hillary Clinton does uh, does pretty well against most of the Republican opponents, but Bernie Sanders does much better. And we're seeing that again in this new Marist poll out Uh, On Thursday, once again, this week. So here's what we have on those numbers. Clinton over Trump by nine points in a head-to-head matchup in November. But Sanders versus Trump, Sanders by 20 points, according to this poll. So uh, she beats him by nine. He beats Trump by 20 points. Clinton versus Cruz, according to Marist, is a tie, 47 to 47, whereas... Bernie Sanders beats Ted Cruz by 12 points. Uh, John Kasich versus Hillary Clinton. Well, according to Marist, uh, John Kasich actually beats Hillary Clinton by nine points. She would lose to Kasich by nine points, according to this poll, whereas Bernie Sanders beats John Kasich by 11 points. Really? So... Kasich yeah. wins against uh, Clinton, but not against Bernie Sanders. Yeah, that's a, a, a by a big difference. John Kasich beats Clinton by nine points. Uh, Sanders beats him by eleven. That's a twenty-point difference. For whatever that is worth, 
Very interesting. Uh, but uh, I think it's worth a lot when you continue to hear this argument about electability, who can best win in November. The polls, the numbers, the ones that we hear time and time again, poll after poll after poll, all continue to tell us the same thing. Make of it what you will. And you can say, oh, that's because Bernie hasn't been tested. They haven't thrown everything at him the way they have Hillary Clinton. Maybe so. But them's the numbers. It's a very fluid and dynamic election season. Well, not in this case. Actually, in this case, the numbers have remained consistent for months now. We have seen these same numbers where uh, Bernie Sanders continues to outperform Hillary Clinton when it comes to a November race against pretty much all of the potential Republicans. Now, I mentioned uh, Trump, Cruz and Kasich as the potential Republicans, but it could be Anyone at this point, given where we are headed in Cleveland at the uh, Republican convention this July, given the fact that it's unlikely any of these Republican candidates will actually get a majority of the vote. So Paul Ryan keeps coming up. He keeps coming up again and again, despite the fact that he denies he is interested in the job. He denies that he's running for this thing, that he would want it, that he would want to be drafted. Of course, that is the very same thing that he said uh, before he ultimately took the job as a Speaker of the U.S. House. So Paul Ryan, who was on the uh, presidential ticket as vice president in 2012, is not interested at all in the job. And then his, uh, I guess, his staff or whoever uh, at his uh, speaker uh, post puts out this video today, which sure looks a hell of a lot uh, like a, well, like a campaign video. What really bothers me the most of politics these days is this notion of identity politics, that we're going to win an election by dividing people rather than inspiring people on our common humanity and our common ideals and our common culture on the things that should unify us. We all want to be prosperous. We all want to be healthy. We want everybody to succeed. We want people to reach their potential in their lives. Now, liberals and conservatives are going to disagree with one another on that. No problem. That's what this is all about. So let's have a battle of ideas. Let's have a contest of whose ideas are better and why our ideas are better. <laughs> so what the hell was that, Desi Doyen? That was Paul Ryan not running for president. <laughs> exactly. That not was... trying to convince anyone to maybe put his name into the barrel in the convention in uh, Philadelphia in July. Where he, by the way, will be the uh, chairman of that convention. He, he runs that convention. So that was not a campaign. Vi- I mean, that was not you know put on Paul Ryan's uh, website. He, yeah, he will have An to image run. image ad, yeah. For, uh, for, well, for his job as, as a House uh, speaker, but his uh, job as a representative, he'll have to run again in November. But this was on his house speaker site so uh but other than that he is totally definitely not running for president but even if he were we now have this from um uh, who is this paul rasmo well it's rasmussen but uh speaker paul ryan would not fare well against either democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders in the general election if he were to become the Republican nominee, according to the Rasmussen survey. And mind you, they're a Republican group. They're not a very good uh, pollster I have found in, in over the years. But this is what they find. This is what Rasmussen finds. Um, and this poll was just released on Thursday, finding that uh, the Wisconsin Republican Paul Ryan uh, trails Hillary Clinton in a hypothetical matchup. 
40 to 34. Hillary Clinton beats Paul Ryan. Even Paul Ryan uh, would get beat, according to this poll, by uh, by Hillary Clinton by six points. And the results are similar against Bernie Sanders, who would beat the speaker 41 to 34. So uh, she beats him by six points. Bernie Sanders beats him by pretty much the same margin, a little bit more, seven points. But remember, Paul Ryan is not running. That's a party in trouble, it seems to me. Uh, and so no wonder they are doing what they are trying to do. No wonder they are, are uh, trying to pass these voter suppression laws, these photo ID laws, trying to do anything that they, they can that has nothing to do with issues and uh, has everything to do with trying to suppress certain parts of the electorate. On that note, before we get to a, a break here, uh, Desi, um, Republicans are now trying to uh, swipe, let's say, a, a Democratic electoral vote, a potential Democratic electoral vote in Nebraska. Now, the way, for those people who aren't familiar with the Electoral College, most states, except for Nebraska and Maine, 48 of the states award their electorate uh, electoral votes in November at, on an all or nothing basis. If uh, Donald Trump wins by one vote in the state of Ohio, he will take all of the state of Ohio's electoral votes. And that is the case in most of the states in the country, but not in Maine and not in Nebraska. However, in Nebraska, uh, the way they do it in Nebraska is uh, basically they have a number of, uh, let's see, uh, how, how many, uh, Nebraska awards two votes to the uh, to whoever, whoever wins the, the, the popular vote. And then uh, each of the state's three congressional districts has one electoral vote to be allotted based on the popular vote in each district. So you can have... Most of Nebraska going for the Republican presidential candidate, uh, and yet that one district, that one uh, congressional district, if that goes for a Democrat, then the Democrats will win one electoral vote. That is the way it has been uh, for a number of years, for a number of decades now, and uh, that is that law was originally that proportional. Uh, Delegate, uh, I'm sorry, electorate law was passed in 1991. And yet still going all the way back to 1964, all of Nebraska's electoral college votes had gone for Republicans until 2008. And in 2008, that one electoral vote went for Barack Obama. For the first time in decades, it went to a Democrat. And, of course, this began to freak the Republicans out in, in Nebraska. Of and, course. And they, are you surprised? And they've been trying to change this ever since. And I'm th throwing this out here because, you know, we've been getting into some of the minutiae about, you know, the delegate race on each side of, of uh, on each party <clears throat> as far as, you know, getting the nomination in the first place. And then we've got the minutiae of the Electoral College coming up.
And there could be a change here in that. But these things are very important. Yeah, you know, they, they, I know. They, they, are, they are seem to be tinkering around the margins, you know, little bits on here, little bits on there, but mm-hmm. this stuff adds up. Mm-hmm. And this is part of that long-term agenda, that long-term campaign um, of the Republican Party to try to shave off the votes wherever they can. The bill that was originally awarded, uh, that originally awarded Nebraska's electoral votes proportionally passed in 1991. Its sponsor, Sen- uh, State Senator Diana Schimmel, Uh, said it would be very sad to see the state go back to a winner-take-all because she believes that the current system has energized voters, has brought the state more attention from presidential campaigns. It's certainly more small-D Democratic, and it it means that now the candidates have to get in there and get into Nebraska and try to win try to win the state makes it uh, harder to write it off true. It, well it does and she said it had an ep- an imp- impact economically as well that it brought money and campaign resources into nebraska that hadn't been there but once again republicans as we saw in north carolina don't actually care about the economy don't actually care about bringing money into their state They only uh, care about pretending that they're interested in that sort of thing if and when they think that it will win them uh, power, basically. So um, after uh, 2008, uh, apparently all hell broke loose and they've been on a tear to try to change back to the old system since what they call the uh, uh, red state's blue dot, that one blue dot, that one electoral vote. Uh, Republicans have gone crazy. Now, by the way, Mitt Romney won it back. It all way, it went Republican in, uh, in in 2012. But they can't take that risk. But they cannot take that risk. And so now this bill looks like it may get through the uh, the state Senate, at which, by the way, is not a crazy state Senate. It is not a North Carolina-style state, state Senate. It is a unicameral. It is one. They only have... This one body, there is no House. They are uh, bipartisan in that they are not separated by party in that in that body. We had uh, last year, I believe, we had a, a state senator from uh, Nebraska talking about the agreement there to override the Republican governor of that state in banning the the the, the Senate wanted to ban the death penalty in Nebraska. The Republican governor said, no, we can't do this. We must of uh, the state. We must allow the state to continue murdering its own citizens. And uh, the state Senate said, mm, yeah, no, I don't think so. We're going to override that. And they did. And they were able to stop the death penalty um, in Nebraska. And we had the uh, one of the Republican state senators on this show explaining why. So they're not a, a crazy bunch there. Nonetheless, this is what they are planning to do unless it can be stopped uh, by a heroic, uh, an heroic state senator by the name of uh, Ernie, is it Ernie Chambers? Yeah, and Ernie Chambers is the longest-serving senator in that uh, in that body, as I understand it, and he is the one who, for twenty or thirty years, I think, had been fighting against the death penalty continuously, uh, year after year after year, until he finally. Until he finally succeeded last year. Well, that same senator, Senator Chambers, uh, longest serving member of the Nebraska legislature, um, he is uh, trying to stop this. He is using whatever procedural moves he can uh, to try to stop this before the end of the session. We will see if he's successful. But I wanted to put that heads up out there that Republicans, as TPM describes this, are about to swipe 
a, quote, blue electoral vote in Nebraska. Every electoral vote counts. Every vote counts. We'll take a quick break. And we've got much more ahead on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round, like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to keep doing so, now more than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going, or even just a one-time-only contribution. While everyone else covers the horse race, we also keep our eyes on the track conditions those horses are running on. Because voting systems, access to the polls, and citizen oversight of election results can make all the difference. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy by taking about 60 seconds right now to stop by bradblog.com donate today. And thanks. What great divide. I hope so. I hope so. I hope we come running. Come run into the ballot box. Throw the bums out. Why not? Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. One point that I had meant to, to mention in regard to that Nebraska story, by the way, of the Republicans trying to do away with the uh, proportional system uh, that they have for giving out uh, electoral votes in, uh, in the presidential race is uh, the irony that while Nebraska, Nebraska Republicans uh, are trying to make this move to go back to the winner-take-all electoral uh, proportioning or whatever that word is, um, in the meantime, nationally, Republicans have been going in the opposite direction. They have been trying to make reliably Democratic states award their electoral votes proportionally in hopes of undermining Democrats and their uh, current advantage on the electoral map. For example, out here in uh, in California and other places around the country, re Republicans have been trying to do away with the winner-take-all system of the Electoral College in each state. I should also note that that hypocrisy on, uh, on behalf of Republicans is not only uh, done by Republicans. And I'm not one of these both-sides-do-it guys. Uh, but uh, on some of these matters, yeah, both sides do it. Uh, this, uh, when it comes to, for example, uh, these nonpartisan uh, redistricting commissions, uh, you're either for them or against them based on who controls, basically, who, you know, who controls your state. So uh, do you want a, a, a nonpartisan district redistricting commission in Ohio? If you're a Republican, no, you want to leave the uh, Republican state legislature to do it. And that same fight happens out here in California, for example, where, uh, you know, the, the Republicans would like to see a different system. So, yeah, there is some hypocrisy there from both parties when it comes to elections. Also on Internet voting out here in California, it's Democrats 
who you see from time to time pushing for Internet voting on the idea that, which is insane, by the way, in case this is your first time ever listening to the broadcast, Internet voting is insane, as we have discussed for years. In any event, uh, nonetheless, Democrats continuously pull out these, uh, you know, these initiatives to try to get Internet voting going out here in California on the basis that they think, well, the electorate in California is more Democratic than Republican and Internet voting will bring in more uh, more voters will make it easier for young people to vote. Now, there's no real good evidence, by the way, to even support that. Uh, Nonetheless, if Internet voting wasn't insane, uh, you know, it's Democrats out here who want it because they think they've got a Democratic electorate in California. Uh, Whereas in uh, in Utah, where the electorate has been traditionally quite Republican, it was Republicans who experimented with Internet voting in their uh, in their presidential caucus a few weeks back. A disastrous and stupid idea, but uh, stupid is as stupid is in power, I suppose. Uh, Okay, I wanted to make that point. Uh, Speaking of electoral minutiae, Bernie Sanders has uh, won a uh, a Wisconsin superdelegate. Uh, he has uh, this is following the uh, the election up in Wisconsin, uh, where he won by uh, almost 14 points. On Tuesday, State Rep. David Bowen, a Democrat who represents the Milwaukee area, also serves as a Democratic National Committeeman, announced his support for Bernie Sanders on Thursday, citing Sanders' victory. He said, as a, this is on his uh, Facebook page, State Senator Bowen said, as a superdelegate that represents Wisconsin Democrats, our voters have decided by a 14-point margin that they desire the political revolution Bernie Sanders speaks about. I want to ensure our members' voices are respected. To ensure our party is as strong as possible by the November election, I am honored to endorse uh, endorse the senator and work with the campaign in amplifying his message uh, that has taken hold in Wisconsin, he said. Sanders, of course, has been arguing uh, he has won, you know, seven of the last eight contests. And he's been arguing that, you know what, it should be very difficult for these superdelegates who have not yet actually cast their vote, who won't cast their vote until they get to uh, Philadelphia over the summer to the national convention. That it would be, uh, frankly, pretty crappy of those uh, party bigwigs, those elected officials, those party insiders to vote uh, who are given this special superdelegate uh, privilege, that it would be pretty crappy of them to vote against their own people. You know, in states where Bernie Sanders has won the, the caucus, for example, uh, 80% to 20, whatever it was up there in Idaho last week, that it would be terrible for Idaho's superdelegates to vote against the people who turned out. That's the argument in any event that he's making. Um so he's won the last seven, uh, seven of eight uh, electoral contests and hoping to use that to try to woo these delegates. Uh, but Bowen is the first right now, the first Wisconsin superdelegate to support him. Six of the remaining nine have supported, uh, have endorsed at least uh, Hillary Clinton, despite the fact that Wisconsin went so wildly for uh, for Bernie Sanders. So there's that. 
And uh, all of this, as usual, meant to underscore the idea that elections matter. We spoke a few days ago uh, right after uh, the governors of both California and New York signed new legislation that would bring a $15 an hour minimum wage to those great states. And uh, that was something, as we discussed with my guest uh, David Dayan on it, something that just a very few short years ago was unheard of. The idea that we could have a $15 minimum wage was just insane, was pie in the sky, would never, ever happen until people started speaking up. In this case, it was fast food workers who started going out on strike a few years ago on, you know, short strikes just for a number of hours uh, or a day. But it began to build momentum and it built enough momentum. Uh, that by last week, both California and uh, and New York had passed $15 an hour minimum wage requirements for their states. It's going to take time. It's going to take a few years for it to kick in. But uh, I think all the uh, minimum wage workers will get a, an increase by the uh, by the end of this year out here in California. And other states are doing the same. So this idea that we should think small, we should just make incremental change, that the idea that we should have big changes, like, uh, frankly, many of the things that Bernie Sanders is calling for, free public college uh, tuition, uh, free tuition at you know public colleges and universities, uh, universal health care for all. Oh, it's ridiculous. We'll never get that happen. It'll never pass. We'll never pass it in Congress. Well, you can start that way. You can start by thinking that way. You can start by thinking about something that can't be done. You can say, we cannot do this. I guess it's uh, the yes, we can't (laughs) philosophy of governing. Or you can call for these big things. You can move the needle. You can participate in the process. And yes, you can have change. It does not come over time. It takes a while. You need to participate in the process. You need to vote. You need to raise hell. You need to go out on strike. But, you know, to give up before you start, that seems insane. We've got another example of that uh, this week out here in San Francisco. Uh, The Board of Supervisors has delivered an unprecedented victory to workers' rights groups, becoming the first city in the U.S. to mandate that employers grant workers a minimum of six weeks of paid leave for new parents, including same-sex and adoptive parents. Uh, Under the new policy set to take effect in 2017, private employers with 50 employees or more must pay 45% of a worker's wages for up to six weeks of parental leave. The remaining 55% will be covered by a worker-funded state disability program. Smaller companies with uh, 20 employees or more will have an additional year before they have to comply. And of course, you can hear, and I'm sure I haven't... (laughs) I've taken a blessed break from uh, Fox News over the past day or two, but I'm sure they are going crazy about this idea. This will kill businesses. This will destroy jobs. That's what they always do. Family values. D- well, that's right. That's the family values. Tell the families to get lost. What? Take care of your newborn uh, kid? That's crazy talk. Crazy talk. It- it'll destroy the economy. Family values are one thing, but the economy, that's what's really important. Now, the fact of the matter is they always say this. They say this about the minimum wage. They said it about, uh, Desi, we were at an event uh, over the weekend, and we-, we had the chance to speak with the lieutenant governor of California. Gavin, Gavin Newsom. Newsom, yes. Uh, and he had... 
I was going to say it reminded me, but I don't think I even knew this. He had uh, told me that that San Francisco actually has a, a universal health care system. That they've had it for years. That they implemented it when uh, when he was the mayor of San Francisco, as I as I recall. They had that. They had uh, marriage equality when he decided when he came out and and, and just declared it so. He said that the law was uh, illegal, unconstitutional. And he said unilaterally, I am going to begin issuing marriage yep. licenses. Yeah, and he did, uh, knowing that it was probably in violation of state law, but knowing that it was uh, not only the right thing to do, but that the state law itself was unconstitutional, which he was some years later shown to be right. Came out, did the big thing. By the way, I think Gavin, I think he's going to be president. Well, I don't know I'm, if I'm he just will putting be. my marker down right now. Watch for it. Okay, your early warning system. Yeah. The 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 concept of that, and I did not know that. Not about. this year, by the way. I should be clear. <laughs> he's not going to be the president of the United States this year. Okay, uh, thanks for clarifying. But anyway, yes, just go in ahead. Case. What were you saying? Um, I, no, just the 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 universal health care for the city of San Francisco. They've had it for years. Mm-hmm. San Francisco is booming, as everybody knows. Mm-hmm. So clearly, all of the uh, economic Ar- Armageddon fears are are not true, and it's actually possible to implement this. Granted, it's just on a city basis, but they were able to get it done. And I think if people have more examples that mm-hmm. they can point to, that they can see, of look, it works here. It can be done, that will help move the needle on that as well. Well, you know, you say, as everyone knows, that the San Francisco is booming uh, oh, economically. Right. I don't know that everyone knows that. In fact, uh, you know, if you, again, if you listen to Fox, San Francisco values, oh, we don't want to be like San Francisco. Oh, really? You don't? Because, as you know, Des, San Francisco absolutely is booming. For that matter, uh, California is booming. And for that matter, this is something that, uh, uh, you know, businesses... Uh, in, in the area, uh, Bay uh, Area tech firms who are competing for talent up there near San Francisco, they're actually offering net Netflix uh, offers more than just what is it now? Uh, six weeks that San Francisco is saying uh, Netflix offers employees up to a full year of paid family leave. Facebook offers four months. So the notion that businesses would be against this is also nonsense is also right-wing baloney and the fact that uh, and, and the notion that politicians should be afraid of these things because Fox News will lie about them and call them names and not just Fox of course CNN will do it MSNBC will do it Morning Joe will come on and say ah this will kill business it's not true it's not true the facts are the facts uh, you know, economy. the economy in San Francisco is absolutely booming. The economy out here in California is booming. Why? Uh, well, for one thing, you remember after years and years of, of Fox News again saying, oh, California is bankrupt. They got no money. Uh, you know, because of all their job-killing regulations. Nonsense. Not true. It might have been true. They might have been bankrupt during the previous Republican uh, governors who refused to do things like, you know, raise taxes so that we could pay for all of these services that uh, uh, that that Californians actually want. Uh, but, you know, in the corporate owned media, the idea of raising taxes, oh, that's just insane. That will that will kill jobs. It'll it'll put the job creators out of business. 
And, uh, you know, I might think America was broke, too, as Donald Trump keeps saying, you know, if I listened only to the corporate media, as apparently Donald Trump does. Yeah, we're broke. We can't do anything anymore. This country's a failure. The American dream when he is dead, announced Donald Trump when he, uh, you know, announced his he was running for president. That's what they tell us. That's what the corporate media tells us over and over again. That's what Republicans tell their brainwashed followers over and over again. And so even those who who are not Republicans, who don't believe it, they have been brainwashed to believe this same nonsense, that we can no longer do big and great things in this country. And it was nonsense then, it's nonsense now, and out here in California, where the right wing has been telling people, as I said for years, that these liberal policies have bankrupted the state. Well, guess what? Yeah, under the previous Republican governors, they wouldn't raise taxes. Then Jerry Brown came into office and uh, put a ballot initiative on the ballot to raise taxes. And guess what? Voters voted in favor of it. And we've been running at a surplus out here in California. News break for you people out in the rest of the country. Yes, raise taxes. You will run as a surplus. Businesses is booming. Is booming out here in California. Everybody's getting a raise. Yeah. It was just that easy. We just, you know, we raised the taxes on those people who could afford to pay it. Business. Business. Remember, this is going to kill business. Businesses are now booming out here in California. Construction in high rises out here in, in, in Hollywood, where we are, is insane. By the way, it's not a good thing, necessarily. <laughs> if you don't like more traffic. No, if you don't like more traffic, if you don't like uh, more high rises, what do they call it? Hollywood, uh, Manhattan wood. They're yeah, calling they're it out here uh, as they're fighting it. And there is an issue with uh, changing the character. However, mm -hmm. I have to say that the Los Angeles uh, City Council and the mayor are working on making more housing more affordable and also with less traffic by increasing mass transit and the metro, so the subway. You so would say that because you are it. a tool. They're working on the city of, of the, the L.A. City Council or whatever. <laughs> in any case, you may like the way it's going. But the fact is, the fact that they won't tell you in the corporate media is that the economy is thriving out here. We have now elected leaders who have realized uh, that, realized that taking action uh, actually gets us somewhere. They've given a raise to the people which uh, most likely uh, will continue to lead uh, to, the ec uh, to the economy continuing to rise out here because no American America's days are best days are not over. This country is not dead. This country is not broke. It's that's only true for those who want to scare the hell out of you so that uh, they can rob you even further. Don't buy it. Don't believe it. It ain't true. But yes, to that end, elections continue to matter. Quick break, and we're back with Green News Report and more right here on the broadcast. Brad Friedman, stay tuned. Seems it never does. Except 
Except right when now. it does. Yeah, it's raining, finally. I can't remember the last time we saw rain out here, but we're seeing a little bit of it now. Of course, they thought, Desi, we were going to be playing Melt With You, because that's what we usually do before your Green News Report. <laughs> Tricked you. But that's exactly what they thought we would do. So we that's like to break it up. Yeah, and of course, we thought it would be, you know, sunny instead of raining here in Southern California. But it's a good thing. It is a good thing. I will take it as well. I will take Desi Doyen. Our latest Green News Report. This man has no remorse at all. Coal boss convicted in deaths of 29 miners, sentenced to just one year in prison. The cost of investing in clean energy now is far cheaper than paying for the consequences of climate change later. Secretary of State John Kerry tells the private sector to pick up the pace on clean energy. BP's $20 billion oil spill settlement, now tax-deductible, Plus, we're starting to get it right after so many years of getting it wrong. Good news for salmon and people on the Klamath River in Oregon. I'll take whatever good news I can get. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. The fact is, when we talk about the future of energy... We are actually talking about the future of everything. Well, the fact is, Secretary Kerry, this is only a six-minute segment, so you're going to have to pick up the pace. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, finally, some accountability for a coal boss in West Virginia. Emphasis on... Some accountability. Yep. Don Blankenship, the millionaire coal mining CEO who was convicted four months ago for violating mine safety laws in the 2010 Upper Big Branch mine explosion that killed 29 men. He was sentenced to one year in prison and a $250,000 fine on Wednesday, the maximum allowable under West Virginia law. How is that the maximum allowable? Because he was convicted only of a misdemeanor of conspiracy to violate mine safety laws, not on the much more serious charges of lying to investigators. What about the more serious charges of murder in this case? 29 men are dead because this guy failed time and time again to follow required safety procedures. That's a question that a lot of people are asking. Tommy Davis, who lost his brother, his son, and his nephew among the 29, reacted to Blankenship's light sentence outside the courtroom. I miss my family. He hugged his, and all he gets is a year if they need to be stricter, more harsh penalties for people like that who puts greed and money over human life. The BP oil spill litigation is finally coming to a close. A federal judge in New Orleans has approved the final legal settlement in the BP oil disaster nearly six years to the day after BP's negligence caused an explosion at its offshore drilling rig that killed 11 men and led to the worst oil spill in U.S. history. Just days after that Upper Big Branch mine disaster that killed 29 involving Don Blankenship. That's right. And while BP gets a much higher bill, nearly all of the estimated $20 billion dollar settlement will be tax deductible for BP as, quote, an ordinary business expense. Once again, emphasis on some 
accountability. And the question is simply, will we get there fast enough? That was Secretary of State John Kerry telling a gathering of top energy executives this week that the transition away from fossil fuels is underway, but private businesses must step up to accelerate the switch. At the Bloomberg New Energy Finance Summit in New York, Kerry noted that with climate change impacts like droughts and floods already hurting the global economy, clean energy will unleash an economic boom. If we're going to stave off the worst impacts of climate change, we have to accelerate this transition. Government can provide the structure, the incentives, the framework, but it's the private sector that will ultimately take us to the finish line. Saudi Arabia is already planning ahead for a world without oil. In a major interview with Bloomberg News, Deputy Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman revealed Saudi Arabia plans to diversify its holdings and begin selling shares in Aramco, the kingdom-owned oil company, with the assets going into what will be the world's largest sovereign wealth fund. The ultimate goal? Ending their dependence on oil. Finally, it's a day to reaffirm our shared commitment to develop a path forward for the largest river restoration in the history of the United States. That was Interior Secretary Sally Jewell at the signing of a landmark agreement on Wednesday that will result in the removal of dams on the Klamath River at the border of California and Oregon. After more than a decade of difficult negotiations and despite obstruction from Congress, Native American tribes, lawmakers, farmers, commercial fishermen, the Interior Department, the governors of California and Oregon, and the utility company that owns the dams all have agreed to remove four aging dams starting in 2020, which California Governor Jerry Brown said will start the long process of restoring the Klamath River. The end goal here is the river, the fish, and the sustainability, not for the next election cycle, but for eons and thousands of years. So that's the significance here. We're starting to get it right after so many years of getting it wrong. What a beautiful day. Damn good news indeed. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. For much more on those stories and the ones we couldn't get to, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. realize we got a lot of uh, good California news in <laughs> today's we do. broadcast, don't we? Uh, before we get out, uh, some quick email from Sue L. Uh, Hi, Brad. Please change the words climate change to climate emergency. The change would be more appropriate because changing climate is ongoing, but climate emergency is what it says. Emergency in yeah. all caps. We need to act fast, keeping fossil fuels in the ground to preserve land, air and water. Good point. All right. Well, you better start rewriting all of your Green News reports then, Desi <laughs> Doyen. Uh, thank you, Sue L. You can write me email anytime you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. You can find us and follow us on the Twitters and the Facebooks at the Brad Blog. 
My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our booking goddess, Cynthia Cohn, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of this program today or any others, you can always download them for free at bradblog.com or over at iTunes, where a good review will help spread the word. But you know what? You, you go out there, spread the word, make people start listening to the Bradcast because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> All right, until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Hey,